Okay, good morning. Good morning. It's so good to see everybody again. I'm so excited. So excited to see all of your faces. Uh, good morning. Those who are online, it's so great to have you guys again. Um, so uh, the reason why you haven't seen me, obviously, some of you know, we've been traveling the Holy Land, right? Exploring the Holy Land. I went to Israel, Jordan, and then we went to Egypt. And I'll tell you guys all the story throughout throughout today's time frame that we have together um okay but today first uh we'll go ahead and we'll start with a prayer as usual father we just thank you for so many things we thank you for so much there is not enough words to be able to say thank you there is not enough uh verbiage that we could use or language you could use but with all of our hearts we just pour ourselves before you this morning exalting you lifting you high saying that you are holy we join with the holy angels in heaven saying kadosh, 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 who sing holy constantly before your throne and say that you alone are worthy. You are holy. You are worthy of all praise and honor. We bow in worship before your throne, O oh God. We say you alone are God. You are enthroned in the heavens. The earth is your footstool and we enthrone you in this space. We worship you in this hour. We say let your name alone be praised and lifted high. Be with us even in this moment, oh God. Give us ears to hear you. Give us a heart that understands that we may cliff to you. Father, speak to us through your Holy Spirit and help us, oh God, to be prepared as disciples, to be ready, oh God, to be ready to walk in the reality of your kingdom and the truth of your word, oh God, and to live a life that is pleasing before your eyes, to be true worshipers, to worship in spirit and in truth. We just surrender this morning. We worship and we say thank you for this moment. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, so who's excited about today? I know I am, yes? All right, awesome. So um, today we're going to be talking about uh, why should you be prepared, right? The last, uh, the last session we had, we said uh, being prepared, and we talked about, you know, um, how do you get prepared? I believe we talked about how do you get prepared. I can't remember all the details. We'll probably need to go either listen to the last podcast and understand all the stuff that we talked about, but... Um, throughout the series, we've talked about a whole lot of things. We talked about why you need to be disciples of Jesus, why we need to uh, be, you know, studious disciples, how discipleship is about preparing towards something, you know, just like you'll be a student in school and you would want to be like a doctor, you have to study to become a successful doctor, right? Uh, if you don't study, you won't pass your exams. The same thing with being disciples. A disciple is a student, so someone who is, you know, studying towards something, someone who's being disciplined towards something. And in our last episode, we're going to talk about being prepared in all times, in all situations, right? You have to be prepared because Christ has that expectation from us that we should be prepared. And then he says, you know, what does preparation involve? We talked about prayer is one of the things, right? Because Jesus always talks in his, um, in his messages, said. Um, watch and pray, watch and pray, right? Watch and pray that you will not fall into temptation. Watch and pray that you will escape certain things. So he's constantly telling his disciples how we need to prepare ourselves for what is to come. And even in today's society, even if we don't have um, Jesus in front of us walking with him, we still have to make sure that we are prepared for what is to come. Now, why do we prepare ourselves for what is to come? Who who thinks why should we why why should we care at all? Why should we prepare ourselves? We forgot the story of the two eh, 
Yeah, the story of the ten virgins, right? Polish <laughs> the way that we're unprepared. <laughs> so we will <laughs> exactly. So that's one of them. You want to be prepared so that you'll be amongst the ones who gets to go in, right? Right? She just she just reminded us of the story of the uh, ten virgins who five of them were wise and five of them were foolish. The foolish ones were prepared. They took oil with their lamps, and the ones that were foolish, um, they weren't prepared. They didn't take oil with their lamps. And we talked about how close proximity with the teacher is what gives you that ability to stay prepared. Um, there's one other thing that I want us to be aware of. Jesus says in Matthew 24, verse 4, we'll quickly read that one. This is one of the reasons why uh, we should prepare ourselves. Matthew 24, verse 4. Who, who's going to quickly read that one? Matthew 24. Verse 4. Verse 4. Matthew 24, verse 4. It's just one, one verse. Uh, the Bible says, And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. You know, you know why I like that so much? It's just... Deception will always come in this world. Do you know? If you don't prepare yourself, you will easily be deceived. Right, I like when you talked about one story of when you were in the airport, and yeah. that that verse just came to you that take heed that no one deceives you. See to it that no one deceives you. You know the reason why this came. The first thing that came to me, uh, why this verse came to me the first during my trip on this specific trip, when we were in the Israel portion of our trip, right? Most of the tour guides. Um, we had a different tour guide every day. So, like, the first day we went to Nazareth and Galilee. I noticed that the tour guide was paraphrasing a lot. He wasn't quoting the Bible. He was telling a biblical story. He was telling the story of Jesus. He was telling the glory of the New Testament. But he was paraphrasing a lot. And I noticed that in his paraphrasing, he was literally almost twisting the Bible. And so I kept correcting him. And then later, I got to ask him that, what is your faith? What do you believe? He said, I believe that Jesus is a great visionary, but I don't believe that he's the Mashiach. And then I said, okay, so what, what do you believe in? Are you like an Orthodox Jew? Are you an atheist Jew? What, what kind of believer are you? So I believe in God. I just don't believe that Jesus is the Mashiach. So, and then we got into a conversation where I said, I, I, after I talked to him, I felt like I dropped the ball because there was so much that I could have shared with him that I I don't believe that I was prepared in that moment to share with him. Because one of the key things when people start to... The, the thing is, when you're talking to someone about Christ, about your faith, about your believing, why you believe that he's the Mashiach or why you believe he's the Messiah, you have to first understand where that person is coming from and why they don't believe what they believe. A lot of the times they're atheists. It doesn't really matter whether you talk about Jesus or whether you talk about God. The truth is they don't believe in God. So they're not going to even bother talking about Jesus, right? But if they believe in God and the argument that they're having is that they just don't believe that he's the Messiah that we're waiting for, right? You can then start to talk, look at scriptures. What is the Mashiach that you're looking for? What is he supposed to look like? And then you start to dig into scriptures and tell him, right? And then he told me that he believes that Jesus is a great visionary and that he, he sees how the whole world follows Jesus, but he just doesn't believe that he's the Mashiach. And I told the only thing I ended up telling him was that if you see the magnitude of the people that follow him and how the whole world is following him and you still don't believe that this is the Mashiach and that this is the kingdom of God, you're missing a whole big thing. And he said, it impresses me. He says, it impresses me, but I just don't believe that he's the Mashiach. And so 
the one thing that I, I said to myself in, in that point, I, I know I should have gone into scriptural details with him, but we didn't have enough time between the both of us where I could start pulling out scriptures for him to analyze and tell him why Jesus is the Messiah, right? Why you, sh- you need to, because the whole point of salvation, the whole point of our, of when, when Paul starts to talk to go to the different synagogues and preach about the gospel, He's arguing with them and showing them from the scripture that Jesus is this Messiah that we are waiting for, right? That is the whole point of what we're believing, that you have to believe that he's the Messiah, right? So at that point, um, I didn't get a chance to go into detail with him, but I just realized that a lot of people who are on the tour, they're listening to him and they're taking his version of the Bible. This is somebody who doesn't believe in Jesus. They're taking his version of who Jesus is and accepting it as if it's truth. And I'm finding myself correcting him every time because I have prepared myself. I know what the word says. I know exactly what the Bible says. So, and I know where to go and point out that Jesus is the Messiah. And that's why Jesus says, they will come in my name and will deceive many. He's in an in a office of a tour guide leading a Christian group, taking them on a biblical tour. When he's not even a Christian. That's what I wanted to say. Why would they put him there? Well, he's, the thing is, the, the tall guy position is an office. It's like any other job. They got qualifications. They get an ID. They get a license to be a qualified tour guide. Anybody can be a tour guide. You don't have to be religious. You don't have to be anything. You just have to pass their license, get the license, and attach it to your name. And, they, and everybody that comes on the tour... They actually, you're paying for a tour guide. So the tour guide is going to take you to all the places and tell you all the stuff. But the truth is, he's literally paraphrasing the Bible. So at one of the girls on the tour, she actually, uh, she noticed how I was constantly correcting the guy. And she, she asked me, are you a preacher? And she suddenly, she wanted to hear more from me as opposed to from the, from the tour guide. If I wasn't prepared myself, I wouldn't have been able to impact anything to her, right? But you can see in this situation... Because of Jesus, this position is open. The position of a tall guy to give, to give a guide of biblical stories, give guide of biblical places. But he is telling a completely, you know, a, a narrative that isn't completely true, right? So that's one of one. Like, if you do not prepare yourself, you can easily be deceived. Somebody else can come and tell you and argue certain things for you and tell you why A, Z, X is Y, but you haven't spent the time to actually read the Bible and understand without a, without a, uh, um, without a doubt, without a, a dot of a doubt that Jesus is truly the Messiah. No one can come and convince me otherwise that Jesus is not the Messiah. Right? Nobody, you would have to, I have experienced him. I have had a close relationship to know who he truly is. That I am convinced without a, an inch of a doubt that he's the Mashiach. I will tell you that I have met him and I know him. It's like I tell somebody that knowing that he's the Mashiach is like knowing that my name is Gloria. Whether you believe that my name is Gloria or you don't believe that my name is Gloria doesn't change me that my mother gave me the name Gloria. Right? And that is why Jesus says, be careful that you are not deceived. Because people will come in my name. And these are people that are everywhere. They come in his name, right? The Christians who are going to, to Jerusalem, to Israel, to all the parts, to Nazareth, to Galilee. There is nothing in Nazareth or Galilee for you to see. Other than to go and see Jesus' hometown. Or to see Peter's house. There is nothing there for you to see. People go there on tours because they want to see Jesus' hometown. 
They want to see the synagogues where Jesus taught. They want to see where Jesus walked. That is the only thing that is there to see. There isn't a fancy hotel there. There is not a beautiful weather there for you to go and sit down and, and, and observe, right? The p- reason, 100, 99.9% of the time, people go there for biblical tours to see Jesus' hometown. So that's one reason. Be careful that you're not deceived. That is why you have to be prepared. You have to know things for yourself. You have to enrich yourself with the word, not only for yourself, so that you will be able to help other people who could easily be deceived. You stand in the spot. Another, um, another uh, day when we were, uh, we went to, okay, so it was the same day we went to Nazareth and Galilee. We also went to the Jordan River, and then they said uh, we could uh, baptize yourself if you wanted to get baptized on that day. And Hannah and Lyle were like, can you, can you baptize me, mom? Can you baptize me, mommy? And I said, definitely. So we went to the Jordan River and I baptized both of them. But as soon as I baptized both of them, people just lined up like asking, can you baptize me? And then then I said, well, I'm not an ordained minister. I was just baptizing my children, but I do teach discipleship on Sunday morning at my church if that makes any difference for you and they were like that's good enough for me baptize me but the the whole idea is holding their hands and telling them the reason why you're being baptized you're being baptized into christ jesus you're being baptized into his death and his resurrection you're being baptized so that you may be dead to sin and live to god being able to tell them that and hear them excitedly say yes and go into that water, it's a very special moment it reminded me of the movie the jesus revolution where people were just lining up just to go, you know, come and get baptized because they heard about Jesus, because they heard his, of his movement and who he is. The fact that people even, I, I'm nobody. I was just there, just trying to baptize my children. But the fact that people actually just but lined up. Let me stop you there. Yeah. Remember when Christ said that we should go into the world and preach the gospel, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Did, Son, and the Holy Is there any qualification? No, okay. no, there wasn't. So when you be, I'm just looking at you. And the reason why, yeah, the reason why I have to tell them that is because in in the old church where we were upstairs, for Michaela to get baptized, she had to go through this whole. Bible study class, you have to go through a whole series of stuff, and then they finally tell you, okay, are you ready to get baptized? Uh, and the person that had to baptize you has to be like an elder or a preacher in the church. But it just being able to do that in the moment, and people were willing and lining enough to do that, it just shows the beauty of the gospel and how it's spreading. People are coming from over the world to come and get baptized in the spot where they think John the Baptist and Jesus were baptizing. Like, they heard the story. They heard of a man in Galilee. And this man, because of this man, they came all the way from China. They came all the way from Australia just to come and experience that moment and join the whole movement. It was just a, it was a mind-blowing experience. Like, I was baptizing grown men and grown women. Mm. <laughs> I can, like, I felt like one of the disciples, you know? Like, not certainly like John, John the Baptist, obviously, because John the Baptist is way too powerful. But when, they, when the Bible started talking about how, uh, and the disciples were baptizing more people, you know? <laughs> Do you understand? It's just being a part of the movement is beyond, it's just, it's remarkable, right? So that's one of the reasons, one, 
Don't let anyone deceive you, right? Be prepared. Don't let anybody deceive you. Another of the reasons I want to look at is in Second Chronicles. We're only going to look at the uh, the first half of this verse. This is when uh, the prophet Hanani is actually talking to uh, the king, King Asa. Uh, in Second Chronicles, sixteen verse nine. Second Chronicles, sixteen verse nine. I can quickly read this one. Okay, so for the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of them whose heart is perfect towards him. Herein thou hast done foolishly, therefore thou henceforth thou shalt have wars. So the, the prophet Hanani is actually talking to Asa. After Asa had decided to go uh, lean on some other country for his strength when he's going to war with a, another nation, right? And then the the uh, prophet comes and tells him that you shouldn't have done that, right? Because God is constantly, his eyes are constantly going to and fro through the earth, looking for those whose hearts are perfect towards him and to show himself strong in that person's life. I'm just talking about baptizing people, right? Look at me, right? Though I deserve to be in that position, but I just happened to be in that position at the time because there was nobody else available in that position. And I started to think about the whole idea of, you know, this going on a, a pilgrimage, a pilgrimage trip to, to Israel. Because if you look at this, the whole idea of pilgrimage has happened ever since the church started to spread, right? During the days of the Crusaders, why did the Crusaders start? Because people who were going on pilgrimage to Israel were kind of being robbed, right? And so the Crusaders, they formed so that they could protect those people who were actually making the pilgrimage uh, journeys, right? And I, I kind of started thinking that the first time I went to Israel, 2017, the first guy who was our tour guide, he was an atheist. He told me, he said, I don't believe there's a God. If there was a God, why would he allow 6 million Jews to be killed by Hitler? When he was talking, it was like he was stabbing my heart like 50 million times in front of me. I felt so sad, so dejected. I felt so depressed. And I, the only thing that managed to come out of my mouth back then was, well, it's weird because I come from Nigeria. It's, it's a remote place. And if not for this Jesus that you're saying that and God that doesn't exist, I, I wouldn't be here right now. So I'm not exactly sure how to challenge you on what you're saying. But I remember feeling depressed after talking to him. Right. Second time I went, it was the same thing. Tall guys were mostly atheists or agnostics. And these are all Jews, just FYI. They're all Jewish Israelis. They live there. They work there. This is their hometown. It doesn't mean that they have to believe in God. But it's just, it was, the second time, it was weird for me to hear that you're a Jew and you don't believe in God. It was just a weird, it was a weird kind of phrase. Like, two phrases don't go together, right? Like, if God called you out of Egypt, why would you then believe there is no God, right? So, but this time... Um, when I experienced both atheists, all I experienced throughout tour guys were mostly either Islamic Arabs. <laughs> one of them was a Muslim. <laughs> the other one was an atheist. The other one was an agnostic. And then the other one was, I don't know what he was. He just said, I, I, I believe in God. I just don't believe that Jesus is the Mashiach, right? So for me, experiencing all of them, I said, the statement that just came to my head, for several years, I've been coming to this land seeking fruit, but all I keep getting is rotten fruit. And then immediately that parable that Jesus gave of the tree where he says, for three years, I've been coming to this tree and there is no fruit. 
And then the gardener of the tree said, give me one more year. Let me till around it. And if it doesn't, because Jesus said, why should he waste up the ground? And the moment I thought about that scripture, I, I started to see things from a different angle. God started to, to, to ask me that if it was you, what would you do? And I thought, the reason why these people are in these positions is because us Christians who are the believers are not occupying that position. The reason why I'm going with cheap tall guys is because the church is expensive. You see, all the tall guys that I could have gone with, Rabbi, uh, Rabbi, um, Rabbi Kirk Snyder, he did a tour. Uh, it was for around Sukkot, but it was $4,000 a person. And it was only Israel. On, uh, Pastor Perry Stone, he did another tour, $3,700. they are all so expensive. But then I started to think to myself, Maybe I should pay that much if I really want this, right? Then again, I started to think, if you prepare yourself, you can create your own tour. If you are prepared, you're studying for something. You're a disciple. You're a student. When you graduate, you might as well have a job there. The reason why they're there is because we're not there. If you are prepared and you prepare yourself enough, you can fill that position. It's not so, it's, yes, Israel is a jewel. It's like a diamond. It's not perfect. I, I told my kids, my kids said they're, they're actually never going there again. <laughs> you never said that. What did you say? Lyell was the one who said it. Was it you who said it? Okay, Lyell said it. No, I said to go to Jordan again. Oh, okay. Not Israel. Okay, so they never want to go. To Jordan again. Lyle doesn't even want to go to the Middle East. I think I've actually scarred, scarred him with that. But I pray that when they, I told them the fact that when you go to that region, you're not going there for perfect weather. Neither are you going there for their hospitality. You're not going there on vacation to enjoy. You're going there because you're seeking something. You're looking for something. It's a, it's a rough gem that is a diamond that you are looking for spiritual fulfillment. And if you're not careful, you will begin to question your faith and ask if God is truly there. But it takes God's spirit to prepare his own people. So we'll look at the last uh, verse that I want us to look at. Matthew 21, verse 43. All right, so we said, first, be prepared so no one deceives you. Second, be prepared because God is looking across the world to see someone he can show himself mighty and strong in the arms of. So Matthew 21, 43. Twenty one forty three. Uh, does somebody want to read for me? I can read it. Jesus is actually talking to the the Pharisees and the leaders of that time, right? They're the ones who are in charge of setting the rules, setting the regulations, observing Torah, making sure the traditions are preserved and all of that. And he says to them that because you're not bearing the fruit, it's going to be taken from you and given to somebody else who's able to produce the fruits of the kingdom. One of the sessions that we had was how being a disciple of Jesus guarantees that by nature you have to produce fruit, right? Your walk becomes a fruitful walk. 
That is the whole idea of discipleship. You are growing in new ways. You are expanding in new ways. You're, you're entering into new ideas, new territory. When Jesus says, people are not going to see the kingdom by observing it, but the kingdom is within you and is around you, right? So in situations like this, what happens? Things will change. I remember uh, during COVID, right? I found a tour guide that was a Christian. It was a Christian tour guide. It was actually, uh, there were Jews, but there were uh, Messianic Jews who believe in Jesus and who wanted to do a worship in Israel uh, kind of tour. Meaning that um, they will go to certain places, they'll talk about the place, but then they will begin to sing praise and they will worship in the praise and lift up the country to God. They were cheap. It was $2,500 a person. Uh, $2,300 a person. It was highly subsidized. COVID came, they were shut down. What does that mean? The devil's also active. He will shut down the ones that will glorify God and look for ways to make sure that you are disgruntled, uninterested, just completely look the other way. While the guys who are playing into what's basics continue to do what they're doing, right? But what does, what does he say? When the time comes for things to be taken from their hands, be prepared so you can stand in the spot where God needs you to be the one taking over the position. Okay? So those are the three things that I wanted us to talk about. It was a, it's, a, it's a really, the trip was, I learn a lot whenever I go there. Whether it's the frustration, <laughs> even the frustration itself is a learning process, right? I, I can talk about Egypt, but Egypt is a whole nother story. <laughs> Egypt is so annoying. You definitely do not go to Egypt because you're looking for something spectacular. That is what I will say. But we thank God for his grace throughout every situation, throughout every place, every place in time. I believe that God is doing something even magical now. God is opening our doors. God is doing something that is bigger and things that we can't even imagine we just have to make sure that we are prepared and we are ready we are ready to stand in the gap we are ready to receive and produce the fruits that he's looking for we are ready to fight those challenges to overcome those hurdles those breaking points and actually produce the fruit that is necessary in that situation all right do we have any questions i know today um it was a short one well, do we have any questions? Just ask someone, do you have something? Okay. <laughs> All right, let's, uh, we'll, we'll finish with a prayer. Father, thank you so much for your word today. I ask, Lord, that in everything that you will give us understanding. Uh, I know I've spoken words, but the truth is, your spirit is the one that carries the message. I ask, O oh Lord, that you will so seize there will bear much fruit in our hearts today, that the fruits that we bear will endure, that they will last, just as you promised in your word, that um, if we continue in your word, that our, our fruits will remain. In this is the Father glorified. So, O oh Lord, we ask that you may be glorified in our lives, that you will open our eyes to see 
opportunities where you need us to be standing in, that you will open our hearts to be receptive to your word, that we'll be able to execute, that you will give us strength through your Holy Spirit to be able to do that, which is your will, O God, that your name alone may be glorified even across the earth. We thank you for what you're doing in this generation. We thank you, Abba Father, for making us your own, for drawing us closer to you, and for glorifying your name in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.